Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Broncos ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. It's an easy two-tap checkout, so be sure to go to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! I tell you what, we have to have one of the more cooler intros to a podcast. Gus Johnson can make anything sound exciting. Even a 2-5 and five football team at this point. Leave it to Gus Johnson and he could make it sound exciting. Hello everyone, welcome inside Mile High Magic. Episode number 17, which means we have talked a lot of bad football this year. Alongside my partner Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Glad to be with you for a mailbag edition of Mile High Magic. Of course, uh, in our last episode, we recapped Thursday's debacle to the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're going to get to some of your questions today, some of your thoughts on this team and where it is moving forward. Uh, appreciate you guys joining in on us, uh, joining us in what will be uh, somewhat of an interactive episode of Mile High Magic. And Nikki, I think we got to start with the thing that everybody is talking about and, and something that we to be honest, have seen coming. And that is, of course, the trade rumors involving Emmanuel Sanders. We know that the Broncos are taking phone calls in regards to Emmanuel. So the question is, how long will he remain a Bronco knowing that the NFL trade deadline is coming up one week from Tuesday? Yeah, October 29th, 2 p.m. Mountain Time is the deadline. And by then, Emmanuel Sanders could be in a different jersey, on a different team, in a different city. Uh, I, I think it could happen any time this week. Um, it, it's not a guarantee now that he'll be moved, but it's certainly looking like that. I mean, he's been pretty much ignored in the offense. Uh, you know, he's made it clear through, you know, his, his comments or no comments, rather, that he would like a change of scenery. So I would fully expect Emmanuel Sanders to be on a different team. And it just, it makes sense for both sides. I mean, he's on the last year of his deal you know, the offense is struggling. He clearly wants more targets, more catches, bigger numbers, as he always has. And he can go somewhere where he'll probably have a bigger role. And the Broncos can officially move on to Cortland Sutton, which they kind of already have this year with his numbers and how much they've targeted him. So I would expect to see him in a different uniform sooner rather than later. I'm with you, and I think it's it's best for both sides. And I think both sides have kind of come to that conclusion. And Emmanuel has tried to play it really nice. Um, I give him credit. He was clearly frustrated after that Thursday loss to Kansas City, but he did his best to be composed and to try and answer the questions in like the proper manner, the, the good soldier, if you will. Um, but it's time, 
right? Like his, his time has come. Um, he did some great things while he was in Denver, um, and was obviously a fantastic for the Broncos, but now his time has come and, and he needs, he needs to move on. So that being said, uh, our first mailbag question comes from Aaron and it's directed to you, Nikki. And you said in the last episode that Emmanuel Sanders really kind of controlled the narrative when it came to his injury. Can you expand on why that was beneficial for him and how that may be having an impact in all the trade discussion. Yeah, and I think you see more and more athletes doing that, um, be it in the NFL, the NBA. They're taking advantage of a platform that they own completely, and that's their social media, be it Twitter, especially Instagram. A lot of guys are hiring their own videographers, their own photographers to market themselves. You know, this is some, this is an area where they don't have to go through the league or the team and, and have their story twisted in any way. And occasionally, sadly, that can happen if they do go through mainstream media. But for Emmanuel, what he did was document his entire recovery, which he would post clips of him uh, working out alongside Philip Lindsay to show his progress from Achilles surgery and the separate ankle surgery he had in the offseason. And in doing that, he kind of ended all potential speculation. You know, it's so easy for those on the outside, be it media, fans, whoever, to just assume that after those types of surgeries that there's no way a 32-year-old receiver could ever bounce back and be the same. But by clearly showing everybody that he has, he's ended all questions about his health with regard to those two specific injuries. Now, he's been dealing with a, a knee issue of late, but... You know, it'd be so easy for people to connect his lacking statistics or his few targets or his very small role in the offense to his injuries, you know, and say, oh, he's probably still hurt. Oh, he didn't recover. Oh, he's old. He's done. Whatever. Um, But Emmanuel ended that. And I think it's something we're seeing more and more of. And I think if players were wise, though, it takes away from stories for us, um, it, it benefits them because there are teams that tell their players, don't talk to media when you're hurt. Don't explain what's really going on. Um, and then sometimes it benefits them and, and many times it does not because it just leads to speculation, which is oftentimes speculating about something much worse than what is mm-hmm. really going on with a player. Well, and I think what was so impressive, too, about that was Emmanuel said at the start, he was like, yeah, it stinks. I hate that it happened, but I've been known to recover quickly. I'm going to be back quicker than most people expect. And then he showed us that progress throughout the way. And I think... I was certainly surprised by how well that he recovered. Um, and then you've seen it kind of in his performance, not in the results maybe, uh, but he certainly hasn't looked like a guy who has aged or who's been slowed down because of that injury. Um, that being said, another question, and this one comes from Chris. Chris wants to know, what will the Broncos realistically get for Emmanuel Sanders out on the open market? And to me, it starts at a four. Right, it starts at that fourth round pick. I don't think you're trading Emmanuel for another player. Um, you may have to include another player in the deal in order to make the salaries work out. But if the Broncos are going to trade Emmanuel Sanders, it's all about the draft picks. And to me, it starts at a four. They may have to settle for a five, but if they get a four, I think you can be happy with that. If you get anything more than a four, I think you're incredibly happy with what you get for your return on Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, when they traded Demarius Thomas to Houston last year, they essentially got a fourth round pick. The teams also swapped seventh rounders, but essentially netted them a fourth round pick. And you got to remember, Demarius was two years younger. Um, He's a bigger receiver, so he's arguably more coveted, but 
his health had also kind of deteriorated. He wasn't the same player that he was, you know, even a few years ago. He's been dealing with a lot of nagging injuries that haven't sidelined him, but have had obviously hindered his play. There were the drops. Um, Emmanuel is 32. Um, he's smaller. He's coming off these two injuries, which, you know, as we mentioned, he's he seems to be doing just fine, hasn't lost his speed or his agility. Um, but... You know, would, a, would another team that is interested in acquiring him look at those injuries and say, wow, that's that's a long list over his career. And, you know, those are major injuries. Could they resurface? Could it be a problem down the road? Would we have to deal with issues of his durability? Um, but he is playing quite well. Um, so I, I would I would say that, yeah, a fourth is definitely the baseline. Maybe they can get a third, um, but a fourth is is the minimum, I would say. And I don't think there's, I don't know that it would be worth it to trade him for anything less than a fourth, because if he walks in free agency, which he would in March on his deal, um, they would likely get as much in a compensatory pick in 2021. The question then is, you know, because of the formula for compensatory picks, which is pretty complicated, they can kind of cancel each other out depending on who you sign. So um, I'd say fourth minimum. Yeah, four, four is a good one. And if somebody offers them a three, they need to be like, hold on one second, call the commissioner's office and get that thing done immediately. Yeah. Because I think that's probably about as good as they're going to get. Uh, Alberto wants to know, what do you think of Rich Gangarello's work? And don't you see Sanders being wasted in this offense? I think that's uh, kind of a loaded question from Alberto, mm-hmm. but, but we'll tackle that one anyway. Um I think Rich Gangarello has been okay. I don't think that he's been able to do what he wants to do because I don't think the personnel has been good enough for him to be able to do what he wants to do. So is Emmanuel Sanders being wasted? I don't, I don't know that I would go that far. I am, however, surprised at the lack of production that he has had in this offense. It's clear that Joe Flacco and Cortland Sutton have a really, really good connection. And it's clear, like you said earlier, that Sutton has kind of overtaken Emmanuel as the go-to receiver or the number one receiver. So... I don't I don't know if it's fair to say that Emmanuel is is being wasted or I don't know and I don't know that it's fair that to for us to put a letter grade on Rich Gangarello because I don't know that he has had the players to run his scheme. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think a lot of what he's done has been quite good. He doesn't have the talent that he needs. He doesn't have the depth that he needs. Um and I think Every facet of that offense practically is new. I mean, the the guys on the front five, they haven't played together until this season. Um, Scangarello is a first-time coordinator. Joe Flacco is new. And, I mean, this this is going to take time to gel. I think we've seen a lot of good things, but also some questionable calls. And as for Sanders, I think he's been ignored, but I don't know that I would pin that on Scangarello. I think there have been a number of opportunities where Joe Flacco just didn't see him. He's been wide open in the middle of the field. And I think that's a lot of where, um, Sanders frustration stems from. Um, there have been opportunities and they just haven't found them. Um, you know, and that, that also goes back to the protection up front and various things, but I don't think you can pin it on the offensive coordinator or really one person in that um, he hasn't been used as much as he should, as much as he wanted. And that's why I think a a change of scenery would be beneficial to both sides. I mean, if you're, he's got the, what, the second largest cap hit and you're only targeting him once a game, really. I mean, that's, doesn't seem 
too efficient to me. So I will say this when it comes to Rich Gangarello, there have certainly been some questionable play calls and, mm-hmm. and some questionable usage of, of certain players. But Rich Gangarello can't help Noah Fant not have the ball bounce off his back and into the opposing team's right. Side. Right. Like he can't help Noah Fant going over the middle and looking at the DB and therefore not catching the pass. Right. Like he can help Noah Fant by not running a reverse jet sweep to him on the first play of the season. Right. Um, but there's an execution factor there that I don't think is fair to to just put on on Rich Gangarello, even though there have been some questionable calls. Uh, Camden yeah. wants to know which players, if any, on the Broncos roster, would you consider untouchable with the trade deadline coming up, uh, like we said, a, a week from Tuesday? Um, Philip Lindsay, Bradley <laughs> Chubb. <laughs> I mean, I, I think veterans on expiring deals or many of the Super Bowl 50 holdovers, period. I think they're all vulnerable. I think pretty much everybody is vulnerable when you start a season two and five and you're coming off back-to-back losing seasons. Um, that said, I mean, you could easily pinpoint the guys that they've pegged as key pieces of their future. I mean, Philip Lindsay, obviously, Cortland Sutton, um, all the younger guys, really, the foundational pieces. Bradley Chubb is hurt. Um, you know, it's Kareem Jackson, and they just acquired um, – I mean, who else? Alexander Johnson. I mean, the, you, yeah. you can see the obvious ones um, that Dalton are not Reisner, going one anywhere. of those guys. Dalton Reisner, of course. Cortland yeah. Sutton. So, right. But, I, I, you know, a lot of uh, – Joe Flacco, I, his contract, because they restructured it, maybe isn't going anywhere. He's probably going to stick around for at least another year. Um, but, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about Vaughn Miller. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I, I think – He's still quite a good player, um, and his contract is pretty reasonable for you know one of the top pass rushers. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the sacks this year. He also doesn't have Bradley Chubb opposite him currently, so it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but seventeen and a half million dollars for in salary over the next two years, which are both team options. You know the way pass rusher deals are. are you know, they're really increasing now. It's it's relatively reasonable for a guy like him. So I don't think they'd get rid of him. Um, it, it's more the guys like Emmanuel, Chris. Um, I don't think Derek Wolf has much value yeah. anymore. Maybe he did at the start of the season. Um, if there are any guys in the 2016 class that have value, I've Devontae Booker hasn't played a single offensive snap this season, so I don't know that they would get anything for him. But those are the guys you're looking at. That's the thing to consider too, and I'm I'm with you on all those guys. Is everybody's like, okay, well, let's just make it a fire sale. Well, what are you going to get in return, right? Like, right, are you going to exactly. gut your team and get nothing back? At that point, what are you doing? So I agree yeah. that that there are certain pieces that you can move, but when it comes to certain guys, you got to make sure that you're getting something back in return if you're going to trade away these pieces. Um, and, and so I just. You know, the untouchables to me, they're the guys that we mentioned. Um, but outside of that, everybody's open. I just don't think you're getting great return for right. your players. And you're not going to give those guys away for free. That just doesn't make any sense. Right. And as John Elway always says, every single year, you got to have to find a willing trade partner. Yeah. You know? And that's not always easy. I mean, you develop these relationships across the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos do a deal with the 49ers at some point. Um, but you got to find somebody who's willing to give you what you want. 
or something close to it and you can reach a compromise and you're not always going to get that with all these players. Uh, Daniel has a question. Uh, he says he's a Brazilian fan, which I don't know if that means he is Brazilian or if he's from Brazil. Uh, but I do know the Broncos have a lot of international flavor, uh, when it comes to fans. So Daniel, we appreciate you logging on from, from wherever you're logging on from. Uh, he wants to know, is this recent talk regarding trading for Cam Newton, just a hot take or is it feasible? Yeah, not seeing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not seeing it either. I mean, why, he's either. Why would they try to acquire a guy who's been dealing with a nagging injury? Like, how would that solve any of their problems? It, it, I mean, come on. I've no, never he's also got that. like a, a, a 23 million. Take half of it at this point. Is it? No, come on. Not that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where all this <laughs> no, Cam either. Newton talk came from. Uh, it seemingly came out of thin air. I don't know that it came from any reputable sources, but like all of a sudden this Cam Newton to Denver and I'm like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Like if you're the Broncos, why do you want Cam Newton? Makes zero sense. I mean, he's proven that he can't stay healthy. Um, And even when he is, I don't know that he's the guy that can come in and change this offense. I don't know that there is a guy that can come in and change this offense around. So the Cam Newton to Denver deal to me just never really made any sense. Um, and, and honestly, never, I don't, I don't think ever really had any legs to it. No. And he's, I mean, he's got a $23.2 million cap hit this year. So the Broncos would probably have to deal with half of that. He's got one year after that, $21.1 million cap hit. And then Joe Flacco, let's see what he has. He's got, after the restructuring, his cap hit for um, 2020 is, hold on, let's get a plug it up, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. 2020, uh, yeah, $27 million. And yeah, that's after, that's after they restructured. Million, Correct, so, yes. So that leads us to our next question from Davis, and it says, with another year and a hefty cap hit, are the Broncos stuck with Flacco for the time being? I think they're stuck with them for at least a year because if if they get rid of them before June 1st, be it cut or trade, they take on $13.6 million in dead money. That's a lot of dead money. Um, 2021, which is the final year of the deal, it's it drops to $10 million in dead money, which is a little bit more feasible, though not great. Um, they end up saving about $17.5 million, but I mean, it, it's going to cost them more to get rid of them than to keep him. Um, what was the what was the impetus for getting that deal done and, and restructuring his deal? Because I think when that happened, a lot of people, uh, I think half the population overlooked it, and the other half was looking at it like, wait, why would the Broncos do that if 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 they had faith in Drew Locke? Well, I think that's that's part of it. It's two it's two reasons. Um, it gives them a little bit more cap flexibility for this season. Um, and then I think they really liked what they saw in Joe Flacco during the off season. Um, hasn't quite panned out like they expected it would, but they know Drew Locke is going to need some time. I mean, this guy has not played at all this season. He's been on IR. He's going to return to practice this week, but that doesn't mean he's going to play in a game this season. And he's one they've said from the outset, we'll need time to develop and learn behind Joe Flacco. Who, So they they don't have an answer still at quarterback. Let's not forget, yes, you lost to the Bears and you lost to the Jaguars, but Joe Flacco in the final two minutes of those games put you in a position to win with game-winning drives. So 
I don't know, like we were talking about earlier with the offensive woes, I don't know that you can pin this 2-5 and five record on Joe Flacco and say that it's all on him and that a simple quarterback change, if you can use the word yeah. simple and quarterback change in the same sentence, would fix everything for this team moving forward. So I think that's, that's part of the reason why yeah. they feel like they've maybe got something that they can hang on to. And I'm... I'm with you, Nikki. I don't know that all of a sudden inserting Drew Locke into this conversation and in, onto the field is going to benefit him or the team. I think he's going to get killed behind that offensive yes. line. You're yes. going to physically and mentally destroy him. him. Yep. I mean, we've seen this happen before. I mean, young players come out, they get physically destroyed behind that line, um, and then they lose confidence. So they're, they're ruined both mentally and physically. And then it's very hard to bounce back from that. Um, Trevor Simeon, who was pretty level-headed, wasn't able to bounce back. Paxton Lynch never really got it to begin with to be able to bounce back. But I'll <laughs> never forget the image of him crying on the bench during the Raiders game. Oh, I mean, that was how, brutal, wasn't it? Uh, how many times are they going to repeat the same mistakes? I know fans want the young kid to play. Put him in. Put him in. Give him time. He needs playing time. Well, they've seen what happens when they rush development. Like... Let him learn, then put him in. You know, he's not going to fix everything, and he's he's might even just make it worse until they fix the pieces around him. Yeah, Broncos fan actually sent in that question saying, will Drew Locke play against the Vikings? Please say yes. Um, but I, I don't know that that's the right move for this yeah. franchise moving forward because the last thing you want is another Paxton Lynch on your hands. I don't um, think he, okay, couple. I don't think he Go plays ahead. unless... Flacco gets hurt. Maybe he gets the last game, kind of like Paxton did with that Raiders game, what in 2017. But I mean, they're they've said it many times. Flacco's a starter. They're not benching him. They they believe that. So I'd be okay with them holding out Drew Lock, and then once once the playoffs are over, you give him that last game of the season to at least get your feet wet. But then I think the question becomes: Okay, do you need to see more because? You're you're of the mindset that they're going to draft a quarterback no matter what in yeah, in the 2020 too. draft. But if you get Drew Lock three games, do you get a big enough sample size uh, and and make a decision to where you can spend that first round draft pick on oh I don't know maybe an offensive lineman. I don't know. Is three games enough to tie your future to a guy because they don't have anything behind know. them? Well, and nothing says they won't. That's be why they pay Elway the big bucks, the not me. 2021. <laughs> Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people have been wondering why they yeah. pay away the big bucks. I don't. Recently. I don't do well with hard decisions. Just yeah, I'm just <laughs> not going to handle that one. <laughs> um, Ethan wants to know where do we go from here after the worst offensive performance I've ever seen. Also, how likely are we, we being the Broncos, to draft a new left tackle and move on from Bowles? And I think the move on from Bowles. My prediction peering into the the crystal ball is that it starts this week with Juwan James coming back and then moving Elijah Wilkinson to left tackle. I don't know that that's the solution. Honestly, I don't think that it is, but I think that they have to make this move for Garrett to, to move on from Garrett Bowles in order to almost keep that locker room at this point. Because if you continue to run him out there and he continues to make the same mistakes over and over and over again, you're sending a bad message to that locker room. Absolutely. I mean, to me, like you said, I, I feel like that would be a stopgap move. But I feel like if he has, if he struggles in the first half at Indianapolis, they now have an option to replace him. And if they don't use it, yeah, that, that's a bad message. For the longest time, they didn't have an option. Elijah Wilkinson was filling in for 
Juwan James as he nursed a knee injury, but now they have an option. It's not a great one. Elijah Wilkinson is coming off a pretty bad game himself, but perhaps it's better than, you know, what Bowles has shown. You know, what as far as, you know, what happens now after the worst offensive performance, I mean, maybe I'm glass half full here, but the last time the Broncos were thoroughly embarrassed, um, they bounced back for a two-game winning streak and had a pretty impressive run defense. Granted, those were against pretty bad offenses, um, but maybe they were embarrassed enough to really spark a turnaround and pull off an upset win in Indianapolis. Um, I, I'm not going to hold my breath, <laughs> but if they can at least <laughs> keep it close, that would be better than what we've seen um, in the past. And the good news is, I mean, it can't really get any worse. Well, right? you say like, that. <laughs> the, only, the only way it could get worse is if they literally don't score at all. But, I mean, that... Right. Now i got to write about gonna... another shutout. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Spencer. I mean, I'm, put, I'm putting it out there in hopes of, like, reverse psychology that, like, hey, man, it can't get any worse. Oh, hopefully it doesn't. Remember what uh, happened because... last time we were in Indianapolis? I think it was last time we were in Indianapolus, wasn't it? It was 2015, wasn't it? No, they've been there once before. Have they? I'll Since never 2015. forget 2015. The eye gouging game. Might have been 2017 game. that they were there. Mm, I think you're probably right. The I 2015 covered, game was pretty epic, though. It was when Peyton was on the brink of breaking Brett Favre's passing record. Wasn't uh-huh. able to do it at Lucas Oil. Akeem ended up getting suspended for poking a guy in the eye. Was that the eye poke game? That was the yeah. eye poke game. Yeah, good yeah. times. Good times. Good old Akeem. Uh, final question from the mailbag this week. Karen wants to know, would the outlook on this season be different if Bradley Chubb hadn't gotten hurt? Um, yeah, they might I be winning. So. <laughs> they might, you think? Maybe. I mean, Maybe their pass rush would be a little bit better. Maybe. I don't think it would have made a huge dent. I think they'd still be losing, but not quite getting embarrassed like they are. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, what they what they did against the Chiefs was just so bad in so many areas. And I just... <laughs> I mean, the defense wasn't terrible. That's the thing. They held it yeah. together for most of the first half. It was the offense where you're like, you cringe every time... They snapped the ball. Um, I don't know so, that. I don't know that Bradley Chubb's presence on defense would have changed things defensively. Because remember, he got hurt in that game against Jacksonville, mm-hmm. right? And then they win the next two without him. And as you said, I didn't think they were terrible against the Chiefs. So I don't know that his performance they 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 might be less reticent to kind of throw up the white flag and, and yeah. start trading these pieces. Um, but I think you're I think you're probably looking at trading Emmanuel Sanders no matter what if, yeah. if you're sitting there at two and five because I don't think that Bradley Chubb being on the field against the Chiefs guarantees you a victory. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I just wonder if having Chubb on the opposite side would have freed up Vaughn a little bit more if they could get more pressure on Mahomes while he was in and Matt Moore, but it was just there's no way that offense was gonna keep up or turn in anything that was remotely acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where it starts. I mean, for this yeah. team to get 
to get better, it has to start on the offensive end. So we kind of touched on that in our last episode that, that probably changes are coming. We won't have a chance to hear from Vic Fangio until Wednesday of this week. Um, and so that's kind of when we'll get a real feel of, of what changes might be coming and, and they won't hit the practice field, at least in terms of where we have media viewing for them until Wednesday. So that'll be our first view is kind of who's to, who's lining up where, especially mm-hmm. on that offensive line. I think we talked about that in our last episode, that that's probably the area in position where they would look to make uh, the move because it may be one of the only few areas where they have that ability now that Jawan James is back. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do moving forward, um, not only on the trade speculation, but what they try and do to jumpstart this offense and and try and get this thing turned around. I mean, it's it's too late now, I would think, for them to make a playoff push. I mean, they could, but I just I don't see that happening. I know they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Um, but I don't see this team turning things around and, and making the postseason. So, but it will be interesting to see how they finish the rest of the year because if if can they keep it together? I mean, that's that's the big question. Can they keep this thing at least afloat, um, or does it completely sink? And and if it does, it's going to be really really ugly on the way down. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy? I feel like we've been talking about how they need to improve the offense for, what, five years now. I mean, we were saying that in 2015 when Peyton Manning was quarterback and they it was turnover after turnover after turnover. Um, nothing has really changed. You know, the defense just isn't as good and they don't have many of the pieces that they had in 2015. Um, but they're still in many of the same predicaments. You know, they still haven't figured out the quarterback situation. They can't get the offense stabilized. Um, you know, there's been so much turnover um, losing has taken its toll on the locker room. I mean, it's it's the same thing, and you just you kind of hope that one of these games or a couple of these games will really spark a turnaround, um, not just for this season but going forward. I thought those would be the last two wins, but then the bottom fell out. So yeah. Yeah, you know, and the team that I look at, and I have a little bias here growing up in Texas, but the team that I look at and the blueprint that I look at is is the Cowboys. And you go back to their first round draft picks. In 2011, it was Tyron Smith. Then in 2013, Travis Frederick. Then in 2014, Zach Martin. And now you're looking at the Cowboys like, oh man, that's a team that can protect the quarterback. They can run the football. Granted, they have Zeke Elliott back there, but but they can run the football with pretty much anybody back there. And, and I almost, I look at this Bronco team, okay, you swung and missed on Gary. Bulls, but you've got to go with the non-sexy draft picks over the next couple of years to try and make this thing right. Because the biggest problem for me on offense and has been for the last couple of years, yes, you haven't had a quarterback. Yes, you've had some issues at running back until Philip Lindsay came along, but you didn't have anybody up front to block. And and you didn't give this offense a chance up front. And that is where you win football games. And they have got to improve on that. And if they don't, then I think we're going to be having these conversations for the next couple of years because that offensive line has got to get better. They have to develop through the draft. And whiffing on those two drafts in um, 16 and 17, and that's still creating problems. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of lost years when you think about how long those players stay with a team and, and the foundation they're, theoretically supposed to build and they didn't i mean they've had holes at those positions be it you know 
you know, in the defensive backfield at, at quarterback where they hoped Paxson would develop into the guy. They've had holes there. They've been trying to fill ever since, and they may still be trying to fill next year. So um, I, I don't think this team is going to be fixed in one season, maybe not two, um, but they really got to start rebuilding seriously and not, you know, just putting a Band-Aid on a couple spots as they've done in recent off-seasons. Um, I, I, you're not going to get the talent you want in free agency, and you're often going to overpay for it in trying to fill some of these holes, much like they did with Juwan James. You know, he's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't really played. Um, so they they really have to home in on the draft and, and get a good one this year. And we say that every year, but it, it feels like each one just becomes more and more important for this team. When it seems like 2018 was good, 2019 was good, and now you got to make 2020 good as well because that's obviously where where this season is heading. So with that, as we await the Broncos' next game at Indianapolis, be sure to check out 1% Better. Uh, it's a Colt pod, Colts podcast with Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder. They do it twice a week. Looking at the latest with the Colts, uh, from the sideline to the locker room, everything in between, be sure to check that out. They'll have all the information you need as they prepare for the Broncos' arrival next weekend. And that is going to do it for us here at Mile High Magic. Thanks so much for tagging along. Thank you to you guys who uh, sent us messages and questions uh, via Twitter or however you were able to reach us today. Really appreciate you guys being part of the show. Look forward to doing that again. We'll be back with you on Thursday as we get you set uh, for that Colts game as the Broncos try to get their third win of the season. Um, And all of a sudden, that Colts team, man – They lose Andrew Luck. You thought it was going to be all downhill, but Jacoby Brissett has been uh, certainly a bright spot for them. So we'll have a lot to talk about on Thursday, maybe some more trade talk, who knows? Uh, But we will obviously uh, keep you abreast on the latest developments with the Broncos right here on Mile High Magic.